one morning, Steve woke up and he had multiple friend requests for his Facebook profile. And as he got looking at it, they were all pastors in other countries. He ended up with like 4,000 friend requests with international pastors. His brother looked over his shoulder and said, well, Steve, it looks like God has just given you a church of 4,000 pastors. What are you going to do with it? Welcome to another episode of On The Move, a podcast about missions, international ministry, and how God is changing lives around the world. My name is Jared. I'll be your host for this episode, in which I'm honored to be joined by Leanne White, co-founder of 21C International. Leanne, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being here. How are you doing today? I'm good, thanks. How are you, Jared? I'm doing well. I'm excited to talk with you today about your story, especially the story of 21C International. Last week, we talked with your husband and co-founder, Steve, about the non-formal training that you do at 21C. But we haven't really talked about how it got started. And I know I'm familiar with a lot of the story since we happen to be family. So I lived through a lot of it as well. But let's start with what might be some of the first breadcrumbs that lead to what you're doing today in fulfilling what God has called you and Steve to do in 21C. Looking back in hindsight, what might be that first breadcrumb or that first hint that you can see that you would co-found an international pastoral training ministry? So actually, if I were to think about the very first breadcrumb, it would probably go all the way back to even before I knew Steve, before I knew your dad. And that would be when I was in college. Um, I went to a Bible college and um, the summer after my first year, I had the opportunity to do a missions trip. And it was a really life-changing experience for me. I had grown up in a small town kind of the same circle of people. And I didn't go anywhere that exotic. I just went to Europe for the summer, uh, worked in uh, the Netherlands for the summer, but had exposure to some really awesome things, had the chance to attend a very large conference for preparation for youth workers that were coming onto it with a large missions organization for the summer. And so had an opportunity to get there. And just that was my first I would say personal experience of thinking about what God is doing in the world. I grew up in a church, so we had missionaries that would come and talk about what God was doing on the field. But for whatever reason, that didn't have the same impact on me growing up that that summer in Europe did and seeing things firsthand, seeing in the case of Europe, a lot of disinterest to the gospel, but also seeing just people's passion to go and be where God wanted them to be. And even if it was hard and even if it was difficult. So that for me personally is probably literally one of the first breadcrumbs because coming out of that summer, I told the Lord that I would be willing to serve him in mission work if that's what he had for me, which he didn't at that time. But I feel like that's a that's something that now we're doing together, you know, that he's providing the opportunity and I'm stepping into that in obedience. But really, for 21C, the first kind of seeds that were laid for 21C's foundation came in 2016 when Steve and I found ourselves in Haiti, and it was unexpected. Now, for Steve, it wasn't unexpected because he'd been in planning mode for months, 
knowing that he was going to Haiti to train pastors. We had our church had a fantastic partnership with an organization in Haiti that was seeing a lot of growth in conversions and people coming to Christ and churches being born. And yet at the same time, they were seeing that there was this lack of Bible knowledge for their pastors, that their pastors simply did not understand what was in their Bible. And so much so that like they would preach sermons that had biblical characters all mixed up in them. Uh, like Jesus was doing something with an Old Testament prophet, kind of a, like as contemporaries, they were walking down the road together, kinds of confusions. And so this partner organization asked our church, would, would they be willing to help out and do a pastor training conference? And Steve was a pastor at the time in the church, and he jumped at the opportunity. Of course, he would be happy to do that. And so they put together a really small team. It was Steve, another gentleman, and another woman who were going to go to Haiti and do a three-day pastor training event, and then an extra couple of days doing some training for kind of the core team that they had for this organization in Haiti. They were leaving on Saturday, and Steve actually emailed me on Wednesday, hey, Ben, who was the guy that was going as the part of the team of three, Ben is sick and he can't go to Haiti. Can you come? And my initial response was, of course not, because we were a family with two children still at home at that time. And the pattern of our family was that, you know, dad could go and do fun things. And for the most part, mom stayed home. And that was my role and a role that I embraced and and loved and knew that that was at that time, really my primary calling from the Lord was to be a wife and a mom. And so I was totally fine being left at home for those trips. But this email comes in on Wednesday and I'm like, wait, are you serious? Like what what's wrong with him? And it's like, well, he's sick. He can't go. If you can't go, we are going to have to cancel. And I just, that seems so sad to me because plans were in place. These pastors and, you know, our partner was expecting it. Airline tickets had been purchased and all of the things. I had a phone call to make to see if someone could come and stay with our two kids. Neither one of you was driving yet. So, but there needed to be somebody to make sure that all the things happened that I normally did. So that phone call, the the person I called said yes, that they would come and they would step in my shoes for the week. And so then I started putting plans in place to go along and spontaneously join the trip. So we found ourselves in, we arrived in Haiti. The time with the pastors started on Monday. Training the pastors, we we're doing basically an Old Testament overview. There were about 40 pastors and church leaders that were there. And it was about the second day that we were walking back. So they had chosen to do the conference at kind of a, a little retreat center. So we were able to stay together, which was really nice. There was a room for us to share, but it was a, it was very meager accommodations. But we were on our way back to our to the little house that had our room in it, the guest house. And I just said to Steve, I could do this for the rest of my life. We were just having a conversation about the hunger and the passion and the heart of these pastors to know God's word. And um, I was like, I could do this for the rest of my life. Steve's response was, I don't think I could, <laughs> not me. 
he, at the time, was saying, you know, that he felt more of a calling to the U.S. church to support the U.S. church and that he saw this kind of thing being an occasional thing. And it was like, okay, well, then maybe I've misunderstood <laughs> what what's going on in my heart. But I, I didn't misunderstand what was going on in my heart because I I really did have that determined sense that I could do that type of interaction with pastors in an international setting literally for the rest of my life. And I quickly said that by the rest of my life, I meant once my children were grown, our children were grown and out of the nest. Because again, at that time, I knew that my primary calling from the Lord in that season of my life was to be wife and mom. But that at the same time, you know, that's not going to last forever because those chicks grow up and they do fly out of the nest. And so in, I was thinking, you know, that this would be a, maybe something the Lord would have for us in our empty nest season of life. And so take me back to that trip to Haiti. You mentioned some of the hunger and the passion that you're seeing among the pastors in that retreat. Tell me more about what that looked like. What were you seeing? What are some stories that maybe you can share? So some of the things, just number one, is that they were there. It took great effort on their part and expense on their part to get to that location, to get to that retreat location and leaving their homes behind, leaving their families behind for, you know, those days. That alone is a sacrifice that I think as Americans, we don't really understand because we just jump in a car and because we probably own one, maybe two and we you know drive somewhere when we want to when we want to be somewhere else or we get on an airplane but there they're arranging for a motorcycle taxi to come pick them up and maybe that motorcycle taxi only takes them to the next town so then they get to the next town and they have to negotiate with a new motorcycle taxi person to take them another stretch of the way so it's it's definitely a journey for them to reach a destination much more so than for us i think so just that alone their determination to be there their hunger for it was evident just in the fact that they were there. We had a pastor who came in that first morning. We actually kind of convened for a meal on Sunday evening, and then the training kicked off bright and early Monday morning. And one of the pastors came in about partway through the first session on Monday morning because he had been at his church on Sunday and preached then had started his journey and it took him all day and he still hadn't reached the location where we were doing the training. And so he slept by the side of the road. He thought he was going to make it for that evening, but something went awry and he didn't. And so he slept by the side of the road and got up the next morning with no provisions because he thought he was going to make it in a day and had no breakfast, no water, no anything and came to finish the trip because I think he came on foot and for the, for part of it. And so, and yet at the same time, he didn't go looking for food. When he first walked in, he came like right away to be in the training. And we actually, one of the missionaries that we were working with there arranged to get him a quick snack because he was starving because he hadn't, he hadn't had anything for like 12 hours or something. It was stuff like that. It was just that, you know, there was, there was a generator. Hades wasn't where we were, was not on an electrical grid. So the only lighting that we had when the sun went down was through a generator and they ran out of gasoline for the generator one of our first days. And so we 
we did half of our last session of the day pretty much in the dark with like people turning the flashlights on their phones. And, you know, like we had our own personal flashlight that we just to kind of light up the room a little bit just to finish out the session. And, and there wasn't a sense in that kind of thing that it's like, oh, this is so hard and we shouldn't, you know, we should stop. We should wait. We should, it was like, nope, we're here and we want this, like, like we want to finish this session. Yeah. You know, it's so inspiring and encouraging and maybe a little bit convicting to hear about the passion and the zeal that these pastors have for the Lord. Pastoral ministry in the States requires sacrifice. It does require obedience. It's definitely a high calling. Not just anybody is called into ministry. Not just anybody is willing to go into ministry in the States But that obedience and that sacrifice to accept a call into ministry in the global South just looks a little bit different. What that obedience and sacrifice manifests as, what that looks like, is just a little bit different. And it's definitely encouraging, definitely inspiring, definitely a little bit convicting to hear about what they're stepping into when they step into ministry. So what happens next after this trip to Haiti? What is next in 21C story? Yeah, so that's a great question. We uh, came home and obviously, you know, we got to talk about the experience, which was was awesome. We got to share with our church family what we had done and uh, what it had been like. And really, we started telling the story of me feeling like this, I could do this for the rest of my life, like right away. I mean, it was a thing that we frequently talked to people about. And one great thing that I really appreciate about our church that sent us on that trip, well, two things. One, they believed in training. They believed in in helping to train church members that were doing missional things. And so that church sent me that next year on a trip, a training trip to North Carolina to learn more about the style of of ministry that this Haiti partner was using. And one of the really awesome things about that training that they sent me on and just how you see God's sovereignty in this whole story is that that training relies heavily on a facilitated approach to teaching and training that you don't just are, you don't lecture, you don't come in. And when you're training people in this way of thinking and approach to missions and ministry on the field that you don't. Do, you know, it's not a lot of just people talking at people. It's sitting in a circle and discovering truths together. And it is something that I had felt very comfortable with right away and really excited about right away and could see applications for it in so many areas of life right away. And what's really cool about it is kind of like really fast forwarding, which that kind of style of facilitation is now something that we are using today with 21C. And so it's just really awesome to look back and see that this sending church that really, you know, sent us on this trip that put the desire and passion and call for me in the first place, then provided this training that has been so integral and helpful for us to make to make the calling a reality. So that was one of the first things that happened. And then another thing that I really appreciate about this sending church is that they also really believed in the power of relationship. 
And so they didn't send a rotating team back to work with this organization. They sent Steve and I back to work with this organization because of the value of relationship and building relationships with the people on the field and, and having it become that you, you get to know people and you are friends with them and you pray for them when you don't see them and have the faces to go with the names and all of that. And so we were able to return to Haiti and do training for pastors and their leaders of their organization in 2017. And then also again in 2018, our 2019 trip, we bumped it into the spring of 2020, which then, of course, it became a COVID casualty and we didn't make it back that fourth time. But that was kind of the, some of the immediate things that happened was that, and every year that, so 2017, we go back and I have the same, like, I really could do this for the rest. No, really, I really could do this for the rest of my life in 2018. And really by like 2017, we were starting to have conversations with our missionary friend who was there with us about the fact that, like Steve would say, Leanna's really, Leanna's really seeing something here for us. And so we were dialoguing with her about what that might look like for us if that was what God did. Steve was, I would say, probably by 2017 starting to crack a little, <laughs> but that he was not like just completely shutting the door and saying, no, that's not how where I feel called. Because again, there's just something so Endearing is the word that comes to mind, but that's not really even the right word for it. There's something so powerful and impactful and endearing about the heart for these of these pastors to be trained. They're so humble and hungry, and I just can't imagine why you wouldn't want to be a part of it. And so where in that whole story does 21C sort of begin? So probably somewhere in between 2017, 2019, we, again, Steve started to kind of open up to the concept of like, oh, maybe this would be something that we could do. Maybe sort of, maybe someday we would think about doing this far in the future and very much more of a part-time thing kind of still probably that it was like, oh, we'll do this as like a, you know, I'll still be a pastor and we'll, we'll support pastors internationally, you know, once a year, maybe twice a year for a long time. And then alongside of that, we were talking as a couple about what Steve really wanted to do at the time, which was more of more of helping the US church. And that that became where the word 21C came from because we actually, and we still own the domain, we, we bought a domain, 21Cministryconsulting.com with the thought that we would maybe help the church to navigate the issues of being the church in the 21st century. Because the Bible hasn't changed, God hasn't changed, but culture has changed. And the needs of people on a spiritual level have not changed. But on a felt needs level, you know, people just have changed and their availability has changed. And there's so many things that, that have changed in the 21st century. Technology is having huge impacts on the church and should have huge impacts on ministry. We just had this sense that, you know, we wanted to be a part of what God was going to do, not what he had done. And so the name 21C, standing for the 21st century, was our nod at, we want to be part of what God is doing now today and responding to what God is doing now today. So we bought the domain name 
had this, you know, thought in our heads that this is going to maybe be like consulting thing. Steve had been a pastor in four different churches at that point in time, I believe, and had worn a lot of hats in those churches. And so we really felt confident that we would have something to contribute to that conversation for churches. In As part of that, he was posting on a regular basis on Facebook. And often it was just like, maybe it was a Bible verse and then just a comment about it. And uh, in 2019, we were actually on vacation. And one morning, Steve woke up and he had multiple friend requests for his Facebook profile. They were all names he didn't know, all foreign sounding names. And as he got looking at it, they were all pastors in other countries. Steve's like international travels had not just been limited to our time in Haiti together. He'd been to India, he'd been to Nepal. And so he had made some international connections along the way. Plus he has um, friends from, you know, his like college era of his life that are involved in lots of different missionary and international kinds of kinds of things. And so my guess is that a friend shared something and it, you know, snagged somewhere and some people noticed it and they started wanting to be his friend. And over the course of, and you can, I hope help with my memory on this because I sometimes think that it cannot be truly possible that this actually happened. Yeah. But I really feel like it was over the course of a few short days while we were there, is what my memory tells me, while we were there, that he ended up with like 4,000 friend requests with international pastors. It did just happen that quickly, didn't it? I mean, it's- Yeah, it did. It was quick. It seems unreal to say it out loud that it happened that quickly, but it really was kind of an overnight. And we were all kind of like, is this some kind of weird scam? Like, what is going on? But as, you know, Steve was looking at profile after profile after profile, these are these are pastors and they're saying like, I want to be your friend because I, I love your teaching. And he's like, what? What, what are you talking about? You love my teaching. And it was just, I think these short clips that he was, you know, these little inspirational thoughts with a photo that he was posting. So at one point in time, his brother looked over his shoulder and said, well, Steve, it looks like God has just given you a church of 4,000 pastors. What are you going to do with it? And in that mic drop moment, the answer was, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. That is really, truly the genesis of 21C that we had this, okay, what are we going to do with this? So took the summer to explore what that could look like and, and coming out of that and learned along the way. Because Steve already had quite a few Facebook friends. So we learned along the way that you can only have 5,000 Facebook friends before Facebook wouldn't let you have any more friends and you had to convert, become a page. And so the 21C International page was born somewhere along that way that even the name 21C International was born, that we decided to keep the 21st century, the 21C that we had felt like was appropriate and something that resonated with our hearts that we want to be part of what God is doing in our world now, today, in this time and place, in this 21st century. And 
because of that, and because it's now something that's international, it's beyond the boundaries of the United States. We just thought 21C International would be a simple way to express it. And in the next little bit of season, after, you know, we kind of fixed on the name, I probably bought a new domain name. So we, now we do. We have 21cinternational.org. And Steve started trying to figure out what what now? Like, what do I do for these pastors? And you probably remember this because it happened in our house because that's how high tech we were. We're still really not very high tech, <laughs> but he just started recording. He he wanted to get some content out. And so he started recording this short video series on the book of Ephesians and, and just, you know, he would take a section of Ephesians and just talk about it and explain it and share what that passage meant. And he was posting it. We had a, a sweet couple that volunteered to help edit the videos. And so it was all very much no budget, no really low tech technology. I think he recorded everything either on his phone or his laptop. And uh, that's how I really like the, the ministry of 21C got launched was in the basement of our home in Park City, Utah, which is where we were at the time, living at the time. I'm reminded of like a leadership quote that you and Steve and 21C use a lot, which is that excellence is doing the best with what God has given you. And so I feel like that first answer to the question, like, well, God has given you a church of 4,000 pastors. What are you going to do with it? I feel like that first answer is like, um, <laughs> I don't have much of a budget. I don't have a very large team. I don't have even a whole lot of time that I can invest into this, but I know what I am going to do is I'm going to steward the knowledge, the wisdom, this platform that the Lord has given me to encourage and equip these pastors all around the world. So just a few years later, 21C International is providing biblical training to literally thousands of pastors in the global South. So it's been an incredible journey to watch the Lord take you all at 21C through just from really humble beginnings, just trying to do what little you can to now being a fully built out organization that is supporting a lot of pastors. It's an incredible journey to have witnessed. It is. It has been. I want to shift gears a little bit here and talk about something that we sort of chatted about before we hit record, which is that sometimes as we're maybe trying to discern what the Lord is calling us to, there is a moment in which it clicks. Like we sort of get, oh, wow, this is it. This is what the Lord has for me. You shared a little bit about your trip, your missions trip to the Netherlands in which it clicked at the very least, like there's this whole church outside of just my church in small town, Canada, even more so than you had a moment where it clicked when you were in Haiti, when you were like, yeah, I could do this pastoral training thing for the rest of my life. And then not long thereafter, it clicked with Steve as well. And so now you're doing 21C International and you're providing that biblical training. So I'm curious, as you're talking with other missionaries, maybe even other trainers that you're bringing on trips for 21C, are you seeing something similar that there are moments where this like pastoral training thing is clicking for trainers or for missionaries? What does that look like? Are lots of people having similar experiences where they're getting really excited about that work that 21C is doing as you're taking them on these trips? 
That's a great question. And I will answer it this way to say that what we are seeing is that the people that we take with us, because we've had the opportunity to take, uh, I think, five or so people with us now on different trips that we have done, and they have very much had the same kind of response that I did to that trip to Haiti, just blown away. So right now, when when we travel, Steve and I currently, if we're traveling to be in the field, in the in an area with the church in the global south doing training for pastors, we currently are are focused mostly in Kenya and Uganda personally as and as a couple. And so when we've had the opportunity to take some some pastor friends with us to Kenya and Uganda and some other leaders, they have had that very much that response of this is amazing. The desire for these men and women, because there are female pastors and church leaders that sometimes depending on denominational things are, are there, but that these people that we're interacting with in the global South, their, their hunger for God's word, it's contagious. It's the best way maybe to put it is that you, you just want to be a part of it because their desire, their sacrifice, their willingness to inconvenience themselves to be at trainings to, you know, all of the things that that is part for them of being at a training and then just their sheer hunger to learn God's word and to grow. It is truly contagious and inspiring. And so what we have personally found, which is what probably I can speak to the best, is that, yes, that is that is the response people are having. It's like, I want to be a part of this. And I just, and, and we're, we find that even as we talk about what God is doing, as we talk about the hunger that pastors have for the word, their need, their need to be taught the word. Because as we know, as you talked about last week with Steve, 95% of the world's pastors lack biblical training, formal biblical training. And so the need is there. The fields are white (laughs) to harvest in the terms of biblical education in the world. And so to be able to come in and be a part of that, be a part of what God is doing is just really awesome. And what we find is that when people get a taste for it, they they want more. They're like, sign me up. Well, it's like we choose to follow Christ. We pray the Lord's Prayer like your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And then to actually like see that happening, to see the Lord's will being done, to see earth starting to look a little bit more and more like his kingdom as more people choose to follow Christ, as more people get excited about the cause of Christ. It's just really incredible to see. It just feels right to see that happening. And you're exactly right that it, it's exciting to see that God is on the move still, that he is working, he is acting, he is changing lives, he is growing his church. And, you know, the gates of hell will not prevail against what God is doing with his church in the world. And so it is truly just thrilling and and right and fitting to be able to see, to see his prevailing, I guess, against so much darkness, right? Because I think sometimes we tend to look at the decline and the thing that's awesome about the global church is it's not on the decline. It's the opposite. All of the statistics are showing that the global church is growing at astronomical rates 
And how thrilling is that, that to know that that even though we might see our little microcosm and feel discouraged, that overall there is so much to be encouraged about because because the church overall is growing and the church overall, because we all are the body of Christ collectively together, right? We all we are all a part of it. If we believe in Jesus, we are a part of his body. And that is as much here in the U.S. as it is in Kenya or Haiti or South Africa or anywhere else in the world. As believers, we are part of the body and that body is growing. And in many cases, it is thriving. Something else that comes to mind, I think, during our conversation is that while all of us as followers of Christ are called to fulfill the Great Commission to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that Christ has commanded us, while we're all called to do that, maybe not all of us are called to do that globally. So maybe we're not called to East Africa or India or Haiti or the Netherlands or anywhere globally. So what thoughts might you have? What advice might you share with individuals who still feel called to fulfill the Great Commission, but not in the global international sense? What are some thoughts that you would share? What what do you have to say on that front, maybe? Here's my thought. And this is just more of a personal thought in terms of just what I think for myself and the things that I pray for myself for a day would for each day would be, I mean, you're, you're so right that we are all called to, to what God wants to do in our world. And that is a huge part of that is the great commission. But Jesus also gave us the great commandment, which is to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love our neighbor as ourself. And I think that sometimes we can get fixated on the the going part of the Great Commission and we can think that it has to be something extravagant and something crazy like going overseas. And I mean, I literally had the thought as a teenager, like, God, I'll follow you anywhere, but not please don't send me to Africa. I think there was a song actually in the 80s about please don't send me, Lord, please don't send me to Africa. So I'm dating myself there, but I'm pretty sure there was a Christian song about Yep, I'll do whatever you want, God, but please don't send me to Africa. I think sometimes, though, as as believers, we can get caught up in this idea that it has to be something grand or extravagant in terms of an expression of our obedience. But in truth, we play a part in the Great Commission every day as we choose to love God as we choose to love our neighbor, as we take the opportunity, whatever opportunity God gives us to show his love, it could be the simple thing of the, you're the one kind word that the grocery checkout person gets in that whole day. You know what I mean? That you, they have grumpy customer after grumpy customer after grumpy customer, and you're the one that smiles and actually shows care for them. And that could lead to a conversation at some point in time, or, you know, just a, just the sense of that, that our obedience in this matter is that we are willing to take whatever opportunity God gives us. And for some of us, that opportunity that God gives us is seems big. And it's, it's a, I'm going to leave and get on an airplane and go somewhere else. But for all of us, that opportunity is rooted in obedience for whatever God brings in our path that day. Something that I have routinely prayed from, I think probably a book I read as a teenager is asking for God to give me his eyes 
for the people that I see that day, that I would see the people that I interact the way the Lord sees them, see them as uniquely loved and created by him and a person that either he wants to know better or a person that he just wants to know. And so I think every believer can step out in faith and obedience and be a part of what God is doing in our world by those simple acts of seeing people the way that Jesus sees them. Well, and you think about it, Jesus, I mean, in Acts, right? The way that Great Commission is written is, you'll be my witnesses. And he lists places, right? And he says Jerusalem first, like it's home base. So there's there's a sense of that, like he didn't overlook our backyard. I think sometimes we do. We overlook what's right in front of us thinking that if if we want to work for God, we've got to go and do, and you know, it's like somewhere else, but it might just be the person next door. And then what about on the other side of the spectrum? What thoughts might you share? What advice might you have for individuals who perhaps do feel called to global missions or international ministry? What thoughts would you share? What advice do you have for folks who maybe are starting to feel a, a stirring from the Holy Spirit that global missions is is the calling on their lives? Yeah. So for that one, I would say first and foremost, I mean, keep praying about it because, and, and invite a circle into your life to pray about it with you and for you to discern. That's something that when we were getting to the place of, of making a decision, we had some really trusted people that began praying with us about that uh, so that we would know that, yes, this is truly what God is saying to do, even though we both at that point in time, we're thinking it was yes. We also just wanted that, you know, that that circle of prayer, that support of prayer. But then also get somewhere, go somewhere, do something, like find yourself in the field. Take a there are lots of organizations that do vision trips that you can you can go and see what they're doing in a location in a country that maybe is something that, you know, starting to tug at your heartstrings so that you have an opportunity to find out oh, yep, nope, I don't travel well, or I really don't like eating anything other than American food. I struggle with when they put the full fish in front of me with the eyeballs still on it, that like, what do I do with this? So my advice for someone who is feeling like maybe that this is something God has for them is to go ahead and and step out and find an opportunity to explore that for for a short period of time before you commit to a long period of time. And again, there are lots of organizations that have great opportunities to do that. And there are so many organizations doing great things in the world. Something that we eventually want to introduce and have is the opportunity for people to do vision trips with us. So if this whole idea of pastor training is the thing that's tugging at your hearts, reach out to us and, you know, we'll see if we can loop you in to that as well. But it's, um, yeah, just give it a try would be my thought. Leanne, I know as we continue producing episodes of On The Move, you're going to be our regular host. So as we talk about missions and international ministry, just what God is doing around the world, changing lives, you're going to be hosting those conversations. So so I really, really look forward to those upcoming conversations, those discussions on how God is on the move. I think it's going to be really, really awesome to talk more and get a better understanding of what he's doing in and through his church around the world. Yeah, it is going to be. I'm excited. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of On The Move by 21C International. 21C International is a Christian nonprofit organization on a mission to encourage, equip, and empower Christian pastors in the global South by providing free, informal biblical and pastoral training. You can visit 21C International to learn more and be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform to hear more about missions, international ministry, and how God is changing lives around the world. 